Hello, and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. We're here to provide good Christian resources to help us all to be courageous in mission, Bible-saturated, spirit-dependent, and loving of others. For the next 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to open the Bible together. I've got my Bible here. Why not grab yours at home? We're going to listen to what God has to say through it. These talks are just the start of how we listen to the Bible together during the week. If anything we touch on today interests you or challenges you, why not come along to one of our life groups or join in our daily devotions? These are all great uh, opportunities to build on what we've done today and think together about what we find challenging, confusing or inspiring in the Bible as we follow Jesus. If you'd like to be involved in one of those midweek groups, then why not email me on the link you can see next to me or get in contact through the links in the show notes below. We're actually about to start again looking at St Paul's letter to uh, a church in Corinth, one of the churches he planted, the first Christian communities. And we're looking at 2 Corinthians. Here's our lunchtime summary of today's talk. This is a summary in a single sentence of everything we're thinking about today. And here it is. God wants us to be people who are courageous in mission and spirit dependent. God wants us to be people who are courageous in mission and spirit dependent. Courageous in mission and spirit dependent. I want you to imagine for a moment that you've heard something awesome, something really exciting, and think about how you'd respond. I don't know what it would be for you. It might be that school has been cancelled for the rest of the year and that you can, uh, by order of the government, spend the rest of your uh, summer playing football or Roblox or hockey or uh, princesses, whatever you would enjoy. I wonder how you'd celebrate. I expect we'd get on the phone to some friends and say, do you want to meet down the park? It might be that fans are going back into sports stadia and you have one of those rare tickets for the Champions League final. It's available for you and for those you invite. I wonder who you'd call and ask to come with you. Or it might be that you found out that Waitrose has everything half price and they've said that you have an exclusive half hour shopping without a mask and with all of your friends. Or that lockdown and social distancing are actually finishing and you can hug your family and fear without being your family and friends without fear of being shopped by your neighbours. I wonder who you'd call first to let them know the news. See, when we hear good news, when we have something we're looking forward to, that we're excited about, that we hope in, we want to share it with others. And being a Christian is a bit like that. We know something and someone amazing and we want to tell others about it and, and we should be bold in doing that. This is what St Paul talks about in our reading today, which is taken from 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. I'm going to look at it in my Bible. It's on page 1160. I don't know where it would be in yours, but if you're using an NIV, I suspect it's the same. Let's read. I'm going to read from verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, he means the hope of Jesus, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory 
are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, Paul wants to, the Christians that he cares for to know how they should live. He wants to encourage them in their evangelism, in their mission, in their sharing of the news about Jesus that's changed their lives with other people. To illustrate his point, he draws from a slightly odd story from the Old Testament. You can read it in Exodus 34 if you're interested. Moses spent, Moses, the guy who uh, gave the Ten Commandments, spent so much time with God in God's presence that it almost physically changed him. He, he started to have a kind of radiance, like people found it difficult to look at him. It's interesting, you find these reports in other places in uh, church history where you have very, very holy people who spent a lot of time with Jesus. And the people couldn't cope with it, they kept freaking out. So Moses took to wearing a sort of mask or veil when he was speaking with them, something to stop them from uh, looking directly at him so it was less distracting. And Paul picks up this story and he uses it as a picture for the Christians he's writing to. And he says it's a picture of two things. So first, it pictures Moses hiding what God had done in him from the people. See, they couldn't handle it, so Moses had to hide what God was doing from them. He, Paul says that unlike Moses, what Jesus is doing in our lives should be seen by everyone. We shouldn't put up a mask to hide it from them. We should be seen by them, and Jesus should be seen through us. Second, Paul says, it actually pictures the people hiding themselves from God. See, the real reason why Moses had to wear the mask, had to wear the veil, was because the people had already put a veil up in their hearts. They couldn't handle uh, listening to God themselves. They put a barrier between themselves and God. And that's not actually just true of Israel in the Old Testament, it's true of us as well. Paul then explains that when we turn to Jesus, God's Spirit takes that barrier in our hearts away so that we can see Jesus for who he is. And we can be changed by God's spirit to be filled with his peace and his love and his hope to become like Jesus. Now I think what Paul's writing here has two big implications for us as we follow Jesus today. First, Paul says, we want to be those who are brave and take risks for Jesus. Those who are courageous in mission. He says these words in verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. See, we live in a world that is rich beyond anything our ancestors could have imagined. But it's short on several things, and chief among them is hope. As Christians, we have a great hope. We have the hope that death and suffering can and will be overcome. We have the hope that injustice and wrong can and will be put right. We have the hope that sins and mistakes and shame can and will be forgiven and cleansed. We have a hope that fear and turmoil and anxiety can be driven away and replaced with fear and joy, with peace and joy. We have a great hope because we know Jesus. And we shouldn't want to hide this hope from others. We want to people be we want to be people who are bold, that is people who are brave, who are courageous in mission. Nicky Gumbel puts it this way in this clip from Alpha. So why should we tell people about Jesus? First of all, because Jesus told us to. The word go appears in the Bible 1,514 times. Jesus was constantly saying to his disciples, go and tell, 
Go and invite. Go and make disciples. He's saying, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Go and tell people the good news about me. And then there's the need of other people out there. It's, it's an act of love to tell people this amazing news that Jesus brings us peace, a, a deep inner joy, fills our hearts with love, brings meaning and purpose to our lives, brings forgiveness, eternal life. I mean, this is amazing. It's like if you found water in a desert, an oasis, it would be really selfish just to take the water and drink it yourself and not tell your friends. You want to tell your friend, look, we found water. And it's natural to want to tell people, we found Jesus. And then it's such good news. The word gospel literally means good news. And when you hear good news, you want to tell other people. Good news. Now this doesn't mean being crass or judgmental. It means being brave, finding creative, courageous ways to share who Jesus is and what he does with others. It means being willing to take risks, to look foolish, even to suffer in order to share Jesus with them. I love this anecdote from Hugo Monnier, the great uh, England and uh, uh, Lions rugby player. My name's Hugo Monnier. I'm a former rugby player. Um, I used to play for a team called Harlequins in London, um, played for England and the British and Irish Lions. I'm now a commentator slash pundit, so I've gone from playing rugby to talking about it, which is great. Whether it be socialising, making new friends, going into a new job, became a professional rugby player. Um, I guess I, I thought I was a bit too cool to go to church. It wasn't so much a priority in my life, put it on the back burner and kind of became infatuated and other things took the role of God in my life. That's kind of how it was for me. But then kind of moving into rugby, that, that changed a little bit. It became more of a focal point when I just started to find my feet a little bit. Um, it's funny, before every game, people talk about rituals and some guys, they put the right sock on first or they're out of the changing room last. But for me, within rugby, the one thing I always had to do was get on the phone and say a prayer before I went out onto the rugby pitch. For me, that moment, was more important than any of the training I had done. We had a huge game against uh, London Wasps. Um, they're a big rival, huge game for us. And uh, written this message under my top. And uh, I scored one of the best tries I ever scored for Harlequins, my, my team. And uh, scored this try, lifted up my top, showing this message which says, uh, thank you, Jesus. No one saw the message apart from the people who were in front of me, which were in the crowd. None of my teammates had seen it. Not until about Tuesday, Wednesday, where some pictures came out in the press and it came out on the internet. And they were like, Hugo, what the heck was that? They didn't get it. They would, some, some guys were a bit concerned. They're like, is everything okay in your life? I mean, why do you need Jesus? I mean, what, what does that mean? I mean, like, are you part of a cult now? And asking all these kind of weird questions, but I was so glad that it became a topic and it was really cool. And then you could start talking to them about you know, the reasons why he did it and why I felt. And for me, this has been my best news and I want the world to know about it. For me, it's just having conversations. It's not knocking on the door too hard, but it's just telling people about your good news. I love going to church. I love my God because of this is what he's done for me. If you want a part of it, whatever it is, but it's just having decent conversation. If people can trust and they see the authenticity in you, then they may want a piece of it too. I, I now commentate, I talk about rugby. And when I do my commentary, the one thing I know I've got to do is be excited about it because I'm talking to people at home. And if I can't be excited about rugby, how can I expect people at home to be? 
And the same is with same is with the Christian faith. If when I'm talking about my Christian faith, if I'm like, what's it like? Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's not bad, you know. Um, you know, they do good cups of tea, and uh, the message is normally pretty good. No one's coming to church. But if I'm genuinely excited about it, then then they're going to get excited. They may want to understand. They may want to get it for them. And uh, yeah, be authentic about it. Be honest. Tell them about your experiences. Don't judge anyone, and if you're excited about it, show them that you're excited. See, God wants us to be people who are courageous in mission. But how can we do that? You see, talking with people about Jesus isn't like trying to persuade them to collect match attacks cards, or that Tangled is better than Frozen, it definitely is by the way, or to change their brand of washing powder, or to come to the pub after work on a Friday. It's a spiritual battle that we're fighting for their souls. And we can't fight that battle alone. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, has to come and fight it with us, fight it for us. And this is what Paul meant when he was talking about there being a veil over their hearts, over people's hearts, a mask or barrier lying between us and God. You see, naturally, sin, selfishness and pride stop us coming to God. They stop us loving him with all that we have and loving others as ourselves. They stop us from seeing Jesus for who he really is and following him. Moreover, when we make those decisions, when we act selfishly and proudfully and unkindly, we go a little bit further down the wrong path. And the more and more we do that, the harder and harder it is to get back to the right path. To put it another way, Selfishness, self-centeredness and pride, what we call sin, is a bad habit. And the more we do it, the harder that habit is to break. See, I can't break that habit for you and you can't break it for me. In fact, I can't even break it for myself. I'm addicted to sin, naturally speaking. Only God's spirit can break that addiction and lead us back to him. As Paul says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He breaks the power of sin and death. He sets the captives free, as the great hymn says. See, this is why we need the Holy Spirit's power. And we need to depend on him. We want to be people who are spirit dependent. He needs to fill our lives with God's presence, his light, his love and his power. God wants us to be courageous in mission and God wants us to be spirit dependent. So what does this mean in practice? Well, I want to offer four practical pieces of advice as we finish. First, get to know Jesus. Let him change you. You, you can't be courageous in mission for Jesus to be bold and take risks for him, unless you get to know him. This is what Paul's talking about when he says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. I'm a Christian, I'm a little version of Jesus. Your life, my life are the first and best argument anyone will ever have from you about why they should come to know Jesus. Your life is the best argument you will ever make for why someone else should know Jesus. 
So we need to be intentional about letting God change us to be like Jesus. That's not rocket science, and it isn't instant. It's like anything. It takes time. It takes practice. Like training for football or joining the army. We practice what we preach. We meet with God. We worship Jesus. We put it into action. We meet with God. We worship Jesus. We put it into action. We mess up. We're forgiven. We meet with God. We worship Jesus. We put it into action, we mess up, we, we, and, and little by little you get better and better and better. It's a bit like learning to do keepy-uppies with a football. You, you start to juggle with it, you can do one, then a few days later you can do three, and then a few days later you can do five, and, and more and more and more, until eventually you find that you can juggle pretty well. Read the Bible, pray, go to a youth group or a life group, commit to coming regularly to worship. So first we want to become like Jesus. Second, we want to ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. We need to be willing to give our whole lives over to the Holy Spirit, to be dependent on him. The metaphor the New Testament uses is baptism. That's a a, a word that means soaking, like immersing. It's like when you plunge clothes into water and the water gets everywhere, seeps every part of them. I wonder if you ask God's Spirit to fill every part of your life. Why not ask him now? Why not acknowledge that you need his power and presence and ask him to change you and to use you to do Jesus' work in the world? So first, get to know Jesus and become like him. Second, ask the Spirit to fill your life and to use you. Third, pick four people you want to come to know Jesus, just four, and commit to praying for them on one day of the week. So it might be Adam on Monday, uh, Jane on Tuesday, Claire on Wednesday, and Zachary on Thursday, pick the names at random. One day of the week for each person. and Every week you pray for them. You could ask them if there's anything they want prayer for. Mate, I was praying for you this morning, is there anything you'd like prayer for? It's very difficult to be upset or offended by that. Stand between them and God, pray for their lives, pray for their marriages and their kids and their work or their football career or whatever it is and pray for them to come to know Jesus and do it every week for at least a month. Fourth, write down or practice one story of something Jesus has done for you. It doesn't have to be spectacular, but it does have to be true and it has to be for you. It can be the f- when you became a Christian. It might not be that. You might not have a story about that particularly. It might be that you grew up in the church and you don't remember not knowing Jesus. You just know that he loves you. That's fine. It might be when God healed your body of something or a time when you were really in need and you prayed and you asked God for that. If you can't think of something, pray and ask him what sort of story you could have. See if you can tell it in 30 seconds and practice it over and over and over again. Practice it, get it down to under a minute, ideally 30 seconds. And that will become the single best tool that you have to teach other people about Jesus. See, God wants us to be people who are courageous in mission and spirit dependent. Stay with us for communion.